Hello, this is Kevin Polkey uh, from The Journey. And uh, The Journey is uh, a show that um, focuses on um, stories of transformation, stories of individuals that throughout their life that they have uh, had an opportunity um, to learn from uh, either a setback or uh, some, some type of uh, uh, obstacle in their life in which they then um, uh, overcame that obstacle, but most importantly, learned uh, learned more about themselves to uh, continue their journey into life. And um, today, I want to talk about uh, something uh, that I haven't uh, talked about in the show, and that was um, an aspect of my own journey. Um, 30 years ago, right around this time period, um, is when I made the decision. Um, there were some circumstances around it, but I made the decision to stop competing um, as a competitive athlete. At that time, I had been competing as a bodybuilder. I uh, started competing when I was 15 years old. Um, I was in my first uh, first bodybuilding show, the Teenage Mr. Illinois at that time. And I continued competing uh, throughout my teen years um, into my young adult years. And then in 91, uh, made the decision to um, stop competing. My last uh, actual show was in September of 90. So the reason why I want to bring this up was... Uh, want to kind of go back a little bit about how that all started. Um, I think uh, my earliest memories regarding the idea of uh, working out or weightlifting um, can probably go back to my my dad's sister, um, Aunt Mary. Um, one year had, uh, for I believe it was either my birthday or Christmas, had bought me a plastic set of dumbbells. And I believe I was probably in uh, fourth grade at that time and um, didn't know necessarily how to lift weights at, at all. Never been exposed to that. Um, but there was a, a manual in there and it showed different exercises to do pictures and a description of what to do. And so I would mimic what I saw in the pictures and try to the best I could as a fourth grader and read those instructions. And I did that for let's say maybe a week or two weeks or whatever it may have been. But I remember that, that time period. And I remember the back picture, there was a, a, a guy on there, part of the advertising and his name, I later come to find out was Reg Park, huge chest, huge arms. And uh, that was the first seed that was planted with me regarding, um, what I, what I thought was a type of man that I wanted to be or being able to be strong, even though I saw just a picture of it, um, to, to show that strength that he was displaying in that picture with this, he, what appeared to me to be a huge arm and huge chest. As I said, I was in fourth grade and my interest level um, probably waned after a short time period and, um, and they may have gone into a corner or maybe I revisited them at another time, but there was definitely not any consistency. Around that same time period, um, and maybe it was the, the, I can't remember exactly if it was the summer before uh, my fourth grade year or if it was in between my fourth and fifth grade year. Um, back in, in our hometown, um, we had a couple places where you would go to drive-in theaters. And I remember as a family going to the drive-in theater and the feature film at that time was Rocky One. 
And, um, and I don't remember a ton about the movie, except I remember uh, the training scene. And I remember the last scene when he was a fi- fighting Apollo Creed. Um, the training scene, again, had uh, a particular um, uh, impact on me that the that this idea that Rocky was pushing himself past his own comfort zone, getting up early, um, eating raw eggs, all these different types of things to show, um, to demonstrate in the film that he was preparing for this fight, this this shot at a title fight. Again, I don't remember really comprehending a lot of the intricacies of the movie, but I remember the impact and the seeds that were planted regarding that training scene. And, and that was tied directly into the preparation for that fight. I started playing football, um, uh, flag football, because that was all that was available at that time um, in fourth grade. And then I did that in fifth grade and sixth grade because junior tackle in in our area of the country um, didn't exist until you were in seventh grade and then you could play um, for your middle school. And so when I was in seventh grade, my dad, who had played football and had really was the reason why I became interested in playing football, looking at his yearbooks, looking at the pictures of, of him when he played um, varsity football in Beloit Memorial High School um, and seeing that he had pictures of when he was all conference and then later all state and then um, even later signing uh, to play football for Iowa State University in the early 60s. Um, I asked my dad in the summer before seventh grade, um, with a strong desire of wanting to be able to play, um, asked him what he did to get ready for football. And, and he said back then, um, they would, he would do, you know, a couple of weeks before the season, he would do push-ups and he would do some jumping jacks and some stretching. And that was about it. And I figured that I probably wasn't as going to be as as, as gifted or as talented as, as my dad. So I figured I better start um, earlier than that. And I started um, uh, in the beginning of, um, the beginning of June, right after school got out. And now that I think about it, I must have had an interest in even before that, because I had a paper route in sixth grade. And I remember saving up my money and buying a weight bench and some weights, plastic weights, again, filled with sand that went up to maybe, I think it went up to 110 pounds. And I guess I had a weight set even prior to going into the summer before my seventh grade year. But nonetheless, um, I started lifting weights to get ready for football that, that June and started setting my alarm um, like Rocky did and going out running early in the morning. And, um, and running in the morning, coming back and then lifting um, in, in the basement with these weights that I had with what I could gather through muscle and fitness magazines at the time would be a good workout to do. What I didn't realize that was happening was that at the same time, I had also had a growth spurt. Now, prior to this, my perception of myself, for some of you guys might remember this, um, that boys' pants were divided up into three different uh, three different styles. You you would have your, and I guess I don't even remember how they did this, but you you must have had some kind of length or something like that. But I what I do remember is that there was slim, regular, and husky, and in the order, slim being the skinniest, regular being I guess 
middle average. And then Husky was for individuals that were uh, bigger bodies. And I was never in Husky, but I was also never in slim. That along with a combination of uh, having individuals in my, my family, on, on both sides of my family that were, that were bigger, that were overweight. Um, and this idea that uh, in, in fourth and fifth grade, when we had those presidential physical fitness tests, um, my legs were strong, but my upper body wasn't as strong as my legs. And so I remember not being able to do uh, the pull-ups as much as some of the other kids and, and not getting the presidential physical fitness award, or at least that's what I don't remember getting it. And, um, and that those kids who were skinnier and, and smaller, they could do push-ups or, or do the pull-ups and, and were quick and, and fast as well. So in my mind, I saw myself as a lineman. I saw myself as someone who was uh, above average as far as uh, as far as weight. Um, definitely wasn't slender or, or thin. So that summer, I didn't realize in the midst of a growth spurt, in the midst of working out, in the midst of running, I didn't realize that I was getting more muscular, that I was getting stronger, and that I was getting faster because I didn't have anything to compare it to. First day of football practice came and I lined up with the lineman because that was my perception of where I was supposed to be. And, um, and practice went uneventful as it, as it went from what I remember now until we got to the very end of that first practice and we had to run sprints. And at some point we had to run um, the length of the football field, which is 100 yards. He lined ever, all of us up. Um, coach Mattis uh, was the coach at the time, and he lined all of us up, seventh and eighth graders, we're all on the same team, and told us to run as fast as we possibly could. So I took off running when, when he blew the whistle, and I ended up being the first one down there. And we ran back uh, because we had to run another sprint, and again, I was the first one done. And at that point, the coach asked me what my name was, even though I do believe it was on my, uh, on a piece of masking tape on my, on my helmet. And he then said, from now on, I was to go with the running backs. And that moment was the beginning of one of the first significant changes that I recall in my social development and my athletic recognition, um, and then had a profound impact on me regarding my perception of myself. Back when you're in middle school, if you become popular with your same sex because of your athletic uh, ability, then soon after that, I became then noticed but with, with girls. I now seem to have friends, even though I was there in sixth grade, now in seventh grade, I went from being this shy, um, not knowing anybody, all of a sudden had some level of popularity because of athletic ability, or at least, uh, at least football ability. As I mentioned, being shy, I had no idea how to handle any of this type of attention. All I know is, is that I didn't necessarily want it to go away and that I had tied it into um, athletics, specifically football, 
and I tied that I'd become successful um, now starting on starting running back as well as a starting defensive back on the seventh and eighth grade team, that that was tied into lifting weights. And so it began. Amplified a few months later after football season, um, I started uh, wrestling and I'd never wrestled before, but I, per, my perception was that I wasn't going to play basketball um, because I didn't know how to play basketball and didn't think I would be good at it. Um, so I went out for wrestling. There I met a new group of guys. They were also football players. And, um, and that was the beginning of dieting for a weight class. And that mindset back then, especially with wrestlers, is that if you could cut weight, you would have an advantage over um, uh, someone who, uh, you know, that you were a bigger guy going down in a weight class. And I think that also planted a seed within me about this idea of body image coupled with, um, that was the first time I also in person saw uh, one of my peers, actually it was a guy older than me, um, who had a six pack. And I wanted in my mind, this a six pack, like um, his name was Jeff, that Jeff had. So all these little seeds were being planted within me. Again, the idea of liking the newfound attention that I was receiving because of my athletic ability um, or, or, or what appeared to be uh, athletic ability that I had with football, wrestling, and then later track. And that continued going into eighth grade um, with those same sports. After eighth grade was my first experience going um, going to a gym. It was Mike Schwartz's gym uh, called Mike's Gym. He clearly took a, a huge chance on allowing this, this, this minor to come in and, and, and lift weights there, but he taught me um, quite a bit about, um, about lifting weights and about how to get stronger. So my, my development continued now with added, added coaching and added um, assistance. Um, and I, again, continue to, to reap benefits. Now, some of this was probably amplified because I was probably one of very few um, teenagers back in the, in the late 70s and early 80s that was, that was lifting weights. And then after my freshman year of wrestling, I wrestled 138 my freshman year. And I had started, I changed gyms. Mike had closed his gym and uh, Champions Gym had opened up a year earlier. And I became a member of that gym with my father and started lifting weights there. And now I saw for the first time in real time, in person, um, bodybuilders. And I was absolutely fascinated. As much as I had fallen in love with football when I was younger, now my interest started shifting toward bodybuilding. That first year, with some more guidance and coaching and some direction from some of the guys that pulled me aside and taught me certain things, I went from 140 um, in the, that would have been in the spring of 1982, to the following year, um, I weighed 206. They thought that I would should compete um, at that time period and um, in bodybuilding. And so that was when I was in my first Teenage Mr. Illinois competition. And that started a series of cycling, uh, of weight gain and weight loss. As I mentioned, I went from 140 to 206 in approximately about a year. And then eight weeks later, I went from 206 to approximately 150 
152, 154 for that first competition. And then after the competition, would gain gain weight back up to um, the 90s or low 200s. And that happened for a, a period of time. I had some success in bodybuilding. Um, I was no longer wrestling because of the weight that I was at now. Continued playing football during this time period. No longer running track at this time period. Um, but uh, had won the Teenage Mr. Illinois um, at the end of, uh, right after graduating from, from high school. And the following year, I trained for my first national competition, um, which was the Teenage Mr. USA, which I won in August of 80, uh, 87, and then competed in another regional show. And then um, started the process of getting ready for the nationals after that. Now, all this to say that these seeds that were being planted with some success and the benefits of uh, setting goals and putting hard work and getting coaching and guidance and asking um, for directions um, and facing some of my own fears. Um, all these things were showing and, and building uh, some levels of confidence and levels of, of identity that were, that were happening. Working your way up to winning um, there's a certain level of drive. And then after you win, there's a drive to continue to win um, that uh, becomes equally as important, it seems. And this whole idea of cycling up and down and never necessarily feeling, even though pictures and videos would show how lean I was, there was always this aspect of not thinking that I was lean enough or my body fat was low enough. Or that I didn't think I was necessarily big enough. At the time, I didn't even know that there was a term called body dysmorphia. Later, as a counselor, realizing that body dysmorphia was definitely what I was, uh, what was going on in my life um, and what was I was experiencing. And there was a lot of, uh, a lot of secrets, a lot of shame, um, a lot of internalizing, a lot of thinking that you um, were never um, either big enough or now all of a sudden you were fat um, because you started eating normal again. Um, I remember after winning the Mr. USA, the Teenage Mr. USA and, and that second regional show, um, I remember a few weeks after that, there was a, a festival in, in the Rockford area at the time called On the Waterfront. Labor Day weekend, extremely warm, hot out. Um, even though I was had been on ESPN just a few weeks earlier and the cover of a magazine, my perception of myself when I looked in the mirror was that my arms had atrophied, even though I had continued working out. And I, um, I was so embarrassed with how I looked, regardless of how I looked a few just a few weeks ago, less than a month ago. Um, that I was at this festival with a long sleeve shirt on, um, that somehow my body had betrayed me once again, and I had lost all this muscle or muscularity. This continued um, as I continued in college and, and immediately following um, during this time period as I was competing. You would think, or I would have thought, that this may end when I stopped competing. Well, for me, it did not end. Even though it made sense that I would be judged based upon um, the way that 
bodybuilding competitions were run. Um, the judge really, the, the ultimate critic was me, that it was, I was my, my own most critical person of myself. And that served more, many, many, um, many, many different downsides um, during that time period. Um, there was time periods where it was good um, because of, of, uh, of a spiritual life that I had, um, but there always seemed to be my identity tied into how I looked slash how I performed. After retiring from bodybuilding or stop, stopped competing, um, I continued to lift weights um, with understanding that I wasn't going to compete in any particular competitive um, competitive format anymore, but it was important for me to continue that. And over time, um, injuries have ensued at different times, which have uh, forced me to um, lift uh, differently and have a different type of uh, program, exercise program. There's been many things over this time period that I've learned um, about myself. I know for me um, that it is a daily, weekly um, process in which I need a combination of um, regular exercise um, balanced with um, stretching, um, but also making sure that I take enough time for solitude and making sure that I am grounded within my, my spiritual faith um, and, and being very cognizant that certain times of year, certain types of events, if we're taking pictures, that that can kind of creep back in again. I think for me, being in a, at the moment right now, a better place, hence why I'm talking about it, is that um, being able to, one, talk about it, two, being able to have a, a, a daily and weekly plan, and then keeping track um, of what I'm eating and having a, a balanced way, a, a healthy lifestyle that I found that has been working for me um, right now and keeping my portions uh, in, in control uh, kind of can keep me in that space. I'm definitely not as rigid as I used to be um, or restrictive as I used to be regarding my, my eating um, because of in the past, my fear was if I wouldn't, I would overeat um, or that I would uh, uh, awaken the bear and I would overeat foods that would either add water or add, um, uh, add calories that, that would then turn into, uh, turn into body fat. So this idea of having a little bit more balance and then also not being so rigid with myself and challenging myself that, that my value doesn't today come from my appearance or from my performance that there is more that I bring to the table than that. Again, I think anyone that uh, can identify with some of the things that I'm referring to when I specifically when it comes to um, appearance or when it comes to um, performance um, athletically um, or in other, in other aspects as well, male or female, um, I do think um, it's something that needs to be addressed. It's needs that we need to talk about. Um, when I first started Shatter Our Silence and we started doing a deeper dive into um, different factors that led to the darkness for individuals, young adults, as well as adults, 
one of the factors, one of the five factors that was identified was um, eating disorders or disordered eating and body image. And I knew that from my 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 own story, the the sh the shame, and then the consequently the secrets that came around that was definitely an aspect of that could lead to that darkness, lead to that inner critic um, that that would be relentless. So um, over the next few weeks, we are going to do a little bit more talking about this idea of body dysmorphia. Um, eating disorders and disordered eating and the impact that it has. Ultimately, um, my message to you is that each one of us have a light that we, is innately within us, that is a God-given light um, that is within us. It is these different things, different factors that play in between our ears that cause us this noise and causes distraction that may tell us a different story um, and cause that darkness um, to appear in our life. But at the end of the day, each and every one of you need to know that that light is within you and that no, no darkness or no extent of darkness can extinguish. All we need to do, and I say it that simplistically, is we need to be able to focus on, focus on that light um, be able to um, do some of the hard work around addressing some of our fears um, around that and some of the narratives that we tell ourselves. Again, thank you very much for listening. Um, again, this idea of body image and eating disorders is another one of those silent um, epidemics that we have in our, um, in our society. So if there is someone that you um, believe could benefit from hearing this and having a conversation um, about this, please share this video. And, um, and you can always reach me at either um, kpolke at kpcounseling.com or kp at redoakscounseling.com or kpolke at shatteroursilence.org. Thank you very much. You guys have a great, uh, great day and we will see you soon.